Welcome to the Love Is Coming podcast, the must-listen show for single women struggling to attain or sustain a romantic relationship. I'm your host, Persia Lawson, author, speaker, and according to the Times Magazine, one of the UK's most successful love coaches. Before that, I was a serial cheat and obsessive love addict, but I'm now a bride-to-be and in the best relationship of my life. So, if you're trying to do the work on your love life, you are definitely in the right place. But here on the Love Is Coming podcast, we serve your education with a side of entertainment. Expect serious stuff talked about not so seriously, solo agony on episodes with yours truly, and guest episodes showcasing some of the best in the biz in ways you've never seen them before. So, got a dating dilemma? Swiping right but haven't yet found Mr. Right? then let's get raw, real, and a little bit inappropriate because love is coming for you, baby, in more ways than one. Hey, everyone. I am really excited for this episode today. I think this is probably going to be one of the most important interviews that I've ever done on this podcast, not to put too much pressure on our lovely guest, my friend, Nikki Clinch. Nikki is a master maturation coach, a specialist in ontology, human behavior, and childhood trauma. So Nikki, before we go anywhere else, we're talking all about surrender today. And there's, I've, I mean, I've honestly like got about a thousand questions um, as I've been reading <laughs> your book over the weekend to prepare. Um, and I want to start right at right with what I always like to do in this show is is to put that into layman's terms, what you do, master maturation. What does that yes. mean? Okay, so maturation is a process of growing. Or let's say it's a process of outgrowing um, that allows you to grow. Um, and I know that sounds really simple, but it's actually, it's actually extremely deep that on an ontological perspective, um, you know, most human beings, even though their age has gotten older, we assume that because we've gotten older, we've we've grown up. But actually, most of most human beings, including myself, at one point, we just get taller. And you know, maturation is a process of being able to see where your past has frozen within you and is still continuing to live your life, is still continuing to generate your reality and repeat Mm. over and over again the same way that you know yourself in the world and the same stories that you identify with and you've been attached to. And it just keeps playing on loop, you know, over and over again. And so maturation is a process of outgrowing who you think you are, and into who you were born to be and, and releasing what we are carrying, what we've absorbed, what we have attached ourselves to that simply is not who we truly are. So it's a very deep and beautiful process. And I also think it's a very natural one. I do, I write this in the book. I genuinely see this as part of nature, you know, if you look into nature, if you look at anything in the animal kingdom Mm. and also in the natural world, everything is in a process of growing. Even when it dies, it goes back into the earth and then it regenerates and then it will continue to grow again. And we 
we're we're no different. We're part of we're part of nature. We're part of life in that way. And so it is our destiny as human beings to mature, to evolve, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, consciously. Um, and so maturation. My job is to help clear away enough that is getting in the way of what is already your destiny, which is to mature and evolve. So yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> You're right. It is, it's deep work. Like when I started reading the book, I was like, I mean, I knew it was going to be, cause I know that you are the real deal and your work is so powerful and impactful. And mm. I know, and I like when I was reading the book, I was like, oh, I'm going to work with Nikki one-on-one and I'm not ready yet. Cause I'm not, I know how I know, like I'm, I'm in that, you know, when you're in that place of you're getting ready to be ready, I can feel it. And yeah, this book just moved me so much. I mean, firstly, it's beautiful. It's so eloquent. I I actually originally got it on Kindle, um, which is just because it's easier. I was away, but then I had a, a really big car journey yesterday. So I, I got the audio version and I have to say anyone listening that, I mean, your voice is so beautiful and like, just, it's just like a hug. And so I really, really recommend the audio version of it. And we're Mm. obviously, we're recording this on the 31st of August. So we're about to go into a new season. We're going into autumn. Mm -hmm. This episode will probably come out towards the end of September. Um, Mm -hmm. So it feels, it feels on time, this conversation in my life personally, which I'll get to in a bit, but but also with um, with what's going on in the world, with uh, yeah, with the timing of year, and yep. for me, our books actually. I don't know if you know this. Our books came out at the same time. Our books came out in Did July, they? and <laughs> when I started reading your book, I, I saw kind of more. Yeah, they did. They did. And I've got this whole, so my books, essentially, it's about how to find real love in a superficial world, but really it's about surrendering. You know, it's, it's mainly for single women, but it's a lot of women who've read it who are in relationships and it's about surrendering. Like you talk about your need for it to look a certain way, for it to be a certain way for the, for the, for the who, the how, the, when this, you know, this relationship's going to show up in your life. And I've got this whole thing because of how I met Joe. It's like surrender to the festival. Stop trying to control everything in your love life. And, you know, in your book, and I, we're going to come back to this in a moment, but it's really beautiful because whether in my book, there's the through line of me and Joe coming together. And then the first sort of couple of years of our relationship, yours is almost the yeah. flip reverse and your relationship with your husband, which was just yeah. so really inspiring and powerful and I'm we're gonna we're gonna talk about that shortly um but what I want to a couple of questions before we get to the sort of story of you and your husband um and you know another big surrender but probably the one of the biggest surrenders I think I've ever had is definitely around heartbreak but you've kind of got two I almost think like you've got two parts to your story because you've kind of got before the marriage and you had a huge journey before that and I remember when I first met you you were I saw you speak somewhere. I can't remember where it was. And I was just couldn't believe your, your story. So share a bit of your story and how you got into this work in the first place. It's really interesting when people ask me uh, to share this part of my story because it was so long ago. And when I, when I speak about it now, it really feels like speaking about another human being. It's like a whole nother identity. And 
but it's such an important part for everybody to hear because it, it has been so transformational. Um, so I'll start by saying that, you know, 22 years ago, I was a fall down drug addict, alcoholic, bulimic, um, I I was literally with my head down the toilet 12 times a day, um, fired from every job that I ever had, thousands of pounds in debt. And I was just that person that you would cross the road to not have to be near because um, I was really angry and, and really in a bad way. Um, and I write about it in the book that it's not it, it wasn't actually the addiction or the behavior that was actually going to kill me or take me out, but it was how little sense of self I had and how little self-worth I had. That in the end, I was just in this constant internal fight within my own mind and within my own self. And it was excruciating. I, I just didn't want to live like that anymore. So I, I hit rock bottom and I got told that if I continued to live the way that I was living, I wasn't going to make it to 30. Um, and so I had two choices, either I changed everything or I wasn't going to make it. So I decided to go and throw myself into something completely unknown. That was my first big point of surrender. And like I write about it in the book, the first kind of 10 years of my journey was about me. And it was all about me. It was learning just how to be in the world again and how to feel feelings and how to think thoughts. And it, it was really a pivotal first 10 years. But after 10 years, even though everything got better, you know, I looked healthier, I was eating better, I was doing yoga, I was, I, I had a job, I was no longer in debt. I was being a good girl and I was in a way now accepted um, by society and the world much more than when you're a drug addict. Um, and yet I was still struggling internally with the same internal battle and suffering and pain that I had suffered with as an addict. So it made me realize, wow, why am I not free? Why is this same experience of myself in the world repeating itself. And so that was really when I began my own work in maturation. And I started to really look at how the story and the identity that we know ourselves in the world is led by the past and how that just continues to repeat itself over and over again. So that's, that's how I began um, my journey. And then that led me to go and train and, and to continue training. And I've trained in quite a few different fields to be where I am today. Yeah. It's amazing just to see the transformation in you. Um, and you say in the book, this line that's so beautiful, you say surrender is a love story with yourself as it is your own love story that will heal you. And that sounds very much like what you just shared with us there. That's mm -hmm. essentially what I teach with the women in my program is that your relationship with you is everything. But what's interesting, and it's and I really feel like this was your experience in the book, it's like you can kind of, you, it, firstly, you go through stages of it and you can also go through areas of your life 
where it feels like you, for the most part, have it nailed until some something big inevitably at some point will happen. So, for like mm-hmm. I was saying before, my relationship feels amazing. My love life feels great. I don't worry about that. We've been through stuff for sure. And I have no doubt there will come a new season for us. Mm-hmm. But for me, um, I've been looking at another part of my life. And, and I really relate to what you were saying there. It's almost like, you know, you, you, you do a lot of inner work, but then it, it, can, it can then, after a time, feel like you're sort of ticking boxes. And it's so yep. insidious how it comes about because both you and I had been doing this internal work for a long time. Like, what do you think that's about? Like, how, how come we kind of fell back into the pattern even though we were doing the inner work? Well, I think really, you know, and this is where the ontological side comes in. And by the way, if anybody doesn't understand what ontology is, that is the nature of being. It's the study and the science of human beings. So I study human behavior. I I look at the culture in which the human condition works. So it's more than just kind of strategies to feel better. I actually look at how all of us as human beings um, tend to end up in certain kind of patterns. And, you know, the, the reason why we end up ticking all the boxes doesn't, and we kind of keep finding ourselves back in the same place is, is, is really is that it's, it's so, it's such a part of the human condition to keep trying to get somewhere or to be somebody, um, and simultaneously trying to get away from something, um, or fix something that we find ourselves in this continuous striving and searching for the next thing that is going to make us better. Or, or get us to feel better. And the problem with that is that we're always trying to get somewhere and trying to get away from something. And what we call that place, that in between where we're getting to and where we're getting away from, we call our life. But, you know, that's not really living, that's surviving because we're always trying to do something about our human experience rather than being with the human experience. Um, and, you know, as long as we're trying to be somebody, we're not really being with ourselves in the present moment. Um, and so eventually, you know, you, we just find ourselves on a loop and one, you know, this time I'll change my boyfriend or this time I'll, I'll change the industry I'm in, or this time I'll change my body. It, It actually doesn't matter. Eventually we'll come back wherever we go, we'll bring me along. Um, so we'll always meet me in the end, <laughs> as in we meet ourselves in the end. Mm. So it is actually, it's not, it feels very personal. We each struggle with it at some point, but it's also universal. It, it It's something that it's part of the human suffering. It's part of the human condition. Um, and the moment that we're ready to get off that hamster wheel is the moment that we're really ready to be present with what is in, in the moment, um, without trying to fix it or change it. One more thing I wanted to say about that as well is I think that we have Mm. been conditioned in society to, to fix our problems that, um, we're, we're constantly being sold a different, um, set of solutions to fix our problems. And so we've become almost addicted to trying to feel better, but there's a really quite a big distinction between feeling better 
and being free. And feeling better is temporary. It lasts a few moments, a month, mm. sometimes a year, but eventually it wears off um, and we still have to come back to ourselves. So, you know, that's really the distinction between, that's what maturation is about, is that it's stepping out of the feeling better mode and starting to really look at, okay, how do I, how do I really be free in my own self? So it's an interesting question that arises there because well, both of us, arguably, were, you know, we're, are under the umbrella, perhaps, of the wellness self-development space. And I mm-hmm. realized, so I've been doing this work on myself for a decade. And I, in mm-hmm. so many ways, I've come on leaps and bounds. But I almost feel, I don't know if it's a 10-year cycle. I think maybe it is because I feel right back at the beginning <laughs> at the moment. But it is, it's like, I realized my addiction to, I mean, I, you know, having to be the best, something you talk about in the book, but also it's like creating problems so that I can then be the hero and fix them and solve them. And so, you know, getting really addicted to becoming a better version of me and self-improvement. And so how do we balance that when we want to expand and grow and go to new levels, whether that's in our, you know, career making money making um getting a partner having those those dreams and those goals but then not falling into the trap of ticking boxes and and constantly fixing ourselves yes well it's a really really good question and 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 I do and I do write about this particular question in the book you know it's actually not what we're doing that that determines the answer to that question it's where we're coming from you know, if it, if it's the one that, that feels unworthy in the world or unworthy in herself, um, that then needs to get all the accolades and the numbers on social media and the success and the, um, all the attention, well then, you know, you can never have enough of what you never really wanted. Um, and I'll, I'll say that again because it's a really important phrase. You can never have enough of what you never really wanted. And if you're if you are coming from a place of I'm I'm not worthy, and you're trying to make loads of money and get a lot of attention and and be really successful, you'll never get what you really want. And what you really want is to feel worthy and at peace in yourself. Um, now, if you already feel at peace in yourself and you are already feeling in a place of wholeness, and then you are listening to life and you are taking these actions towards creating possibility or vision or dreams or service in the world or whatever it is that you want to do, then whatever it is that you're doing is not in service of, of, of trying to fix something or, or overcompensate for something. Um, it's just something you're creating but you are already coming from wholeness. And those are two really big distinctions. And most of us can't tell where we're coming from until we keep seeing the same repeated thing over and over again. And then we're like, okay, hold on a second. What am I missing? What blind spot is, can I not see here? Um, and that was, you know, I talk about the warrior woman. I created the warrior woman, you know, the warrior woman was pretty successful. That was what my whole brand was based on. Um, I got a lot of attention. I actually got signed by Hay House to write the warrior woman book. Um, (laughs) but the warrior woman, 
was was actually just an overcompensation of a really scared four-year-old traumatized little girl that felt like she had to be strong in the world in order to make sure that nothing bad was going to happen to her. Like <laughs> nothing that I was ever going to succeed at was ever going to solve that problem. Um, and so, you know, I think it's, I think if we take the focus of what we're doing and, and really start to look at where are we coming from, that's where we'll really find our answers. Wow. That just landed for me in a really big way. Like I really, I really heard that and it's really helpful. Could you, um, could you almost speak into that in relationship, uh, in relation to, to what most of women who follow me and listen to this podcast struggle with, which is I desperately want to get married and to have kids. Mm -hmm. And it's just not happening for me. Some of the women have never had a relationship. Some of the women have, like I used to be, like had lots of relationships, but very, very toxic. Some of the women can only ever get to three months and then the guy ghosts them. And so this obsession, this desire to have that relationship is everything. And so yeah. with what you just shared, could you just speak into that around that topic? Yes. Well, there's a few things that I want to say about that. Um and of course, they're all it, it's it, it's all in the book as well. You know, we we create pictures in our mind of of the life that we want, of ourselves in the life that we want, and and but the problem with pictures is that they're static, they're fixed, they're actually not alive. Um, the problem with a picture is that it's always out there somewhere. And it's it's never here. It's always out there, and and we're and we're the ones trying to get to it and strive for it. And 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 really, what what generated or created the picture is 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 our own mind, and what's in the mind is based on the past. So, usually, <laughs> the picture itself is like a fantasy. It's like an overcompensation for something that is incomplete or unwhole or a space of lack within ourselves from our past. So, you know, often if this, this concept that this belief that the, if I get married, well then, well then finally I'll be, I'll feel safe. Or if I find the love of my life, well then finally I'll feel worthy. Or if I have the family, well, then finally I'll feel at home. And the problem with all of that is what I said earlier, you can never have enough of what you never really wanted. And then you get the husband and then you get the family and, and, and you still feel the same things you felt before. It's just now you have more people in the picture, in the story. Um, because every, everywhere we go, we bring me along. And so you know, speaking to those of you who are listening and, and you're in that place. And firstly, I want to say, I totally identify. I mean, I, I married my husband from that place and I write about it in the book. That's why we actually separated. I married, I, I married the one that I thought that was going to save me from my past, that I could finally create the fantasy picture. Um, then I wouldn't have to be alone anymore. Um, and the problem with that is that it will never solve 
the emptiness or the unworthiness or the, the thing that we're trying to fill, it'll never fill it. Um, and forever I was so disappointed in my marriage for such a long time because it wasn't filling it. Um, and I, it took me my separation that I write about in a book for me to realize that I had, that my, my husband's job, uh, was to keep, was to make me feel safe in the world. Of course he didn't know that. Um, I had hijacked him in my own story. Um, and it's not his job to make me feel safe. It's, I, that's my job to make me feel safe. And so if you are trying, if you're kind of longing for that marriage or longing for the babies or longing for the family, the first thing I want to ask you is who is it that is longing? And that may sound like a strange question, but who is the one that is longing? Is it, is it the one that doesn't feel enough in the world? Is it the one that feels alone in the world? Is it the one that feels unworthy? Well, then first step is, can you be with her? Can you take care of her? Can you honor her? Um, take care of, become home in yourself first. Then anyone that you meet from there will just be a bonus. Um, it'll be an, an abundant bonus <laughs> on top of what already feels like home. Um, yeah. I hope that answers the question. <laughs> oh no, that's that's perfect. And that, you know, that is something that I I did learn because my first big lesson, I guess my my way into the world of self-development spirituality was through relationships. So I kind of started there and did a lot of work before I met Joe. And whilst again, we are far from perfect and there's definitely stuff we always have to be working on. Um I, I did come into the relationship very surrendered. Like the way we met was insane synchronicity and surrender. But also I, you know, I felt very whole in myself, which meant that I could communicate very clearly who I was, my boundaries, my desires. And, and it was a beautiful connection. What for us then became hard is we'd had this magical meeting and and time together and and then it was the the honeymoon starting to end is mm -hmm. where I was like ah oh god oh god oh god oh god and it's really interesting Marianne Williamson I'm, I'm interested to see your hear your thoughts on this Nikki Marianne Williamson says in her book Enchanted Love which I highly recommend for anyone who hasn't read it um mm. she says you know we have this belief in the world that you have this the honeymoon phase and that's um you know it's all an illusion really and then reality sets in and you know life sets in and she says actually it's the other way around when you first see that person and you feel all the deep love for them and you know the butterflies that's actually the truth and then it, mm. oh God, it gives me shivers and then illusion and unreality sets in which is division is separation is projection all of that stuff what are your thoughts around that well, I love that actually, because, um, you know, my husband and I, we, we remarried, um, uh, it was January before COVID happened. Um, and after a six month separation. And so we're, we're actually, um, coming into our, we'll be coming up to 11 years, um, at the beginning of next year. Um, so, you know, we're 10 and a half years in and, I, we were just saying to each other the other day and we were really, really happy. Um, and I realized that I, I'm, I, the, the, 
the very things that I fell in love with him, and I mean the, the moment that I saw him, like that instant kind of seeing of each other, uh, are the very things that I completely love about him now. Um, but, you know, the truth is, it, we had to go through a whole journey to come back to that place, which is what I think Marianne Williamson is talking about. I initially saw him and he saw me and it was like, mm. I just knew that he was an ally. I knew that we knew each other. I knew that we would would get each other. I, there was something peaceful about being in his presence and then of course all the story comes in and all the all the survival and all the protection and all the noise and all the fear and all the terror that comes with um the possibility of loving which also comes with losing um and and so of course that is the illusion and that all got in the way now we've managed to break through um a really difficult patch um and now we've come back. We've come back to that really beautiful, but it's deeper. It's even deeper than ever before. Mm. You know, when you're 10 and a half years in and you've seen everything mm. about each other, and I mean everything, <laughs> the worst of each other and the best of each other, and you're still here mm. and, you're, and you really have learned how to mm. know each other the love, the, the trust and the safety is like something I never knew was possible. And, and yeah, it, it is, it's the same peacefulness and stillness that I felt when I first saw him, you know, 10 and a half years ago. Wow. And I, that's something that's so powerful in the book. Um, and you share so vulnerable, vulnerably and openly about your, your separation. And, and, you know, as I said earlier, for me, heartbreak is one of the most vulnerable, painful, but yep. powerful and transformational experiences. We would never choose it. Like I wouldn't like there's times where I think I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy because it is so yeah. horrific. But for the gifts yeah. that come out the other side of it, and I, I know that you um, did an interview recently with with our friend Mel and, and mm. I found that really powerful because just – Oh gosh, heartbreak. Why is it so painful, Nikki? Well, I think what it does is that it it literally on an energetic level, it literally cracks hardness. It it literally breaks like a shield that we didn't even know was there that we have put around our heart or that we have put around ourselves. And there's something about the breaking that that it allows this protection, the walls to just start to dissolve and break away. Um, and in the breaking apart becomes the opportunity of a breaking open. You know, I, I for me, and I know Mel as well in the interview that we, that I did with her is that in, it, it was so humbling because it completely softened me it, it, it melted me, you know, the, the grief of it, the, the absolute powerlessness of it, um, everything that came with it just, just softened me in such a way that I'm not sure I would have chosen to do myself. It's, it's so vulnerable, but in that it just opened, it opened me up to a whole new, another relationship with myself and with life. And so, 
you know, I remember I had a little, I had a conversation with my eight year old daughter, um, about this. Um, and she talks, I actually share this story in the book and she said, mommy, I, I'm, I, I don't want to get married because I don't want to have, I don't want to hurt. I don't want my heart to hurt. Um, and I, and I, I have this conversation with her about, you know, if you're going to live your life in a way to make sure that your heart will never get hurt, well, then you'll never live. And, and, and that's too much to, to give up that, you know, live your life and when you, and love so deeply and then, and then if it hurts and you have heartbreak, then feel it deeply because it will only allow you to live, live even deeper. And, and it was just such a beautiful thing to be able to have that conversation with an eight-year-old <laughs> to already start to grasp that concept that actually what to love deeply is to lose deeply. Um, and both of that is to, is to really be alive. It's interesting. I, I loved that bit of the book. It was so beautiful. And, and what it's made me think of, funnily enough, is I've got a chapter in, well, a few chapters in my book that um, the women I work with one-to-one are all very, you know, successful. Many are sort of leaders in the world in some shape or form. And uh, a lot of them really struggle in their love life. And they couldn't, you know, they, they can't understand what's going wrong. And that's why they come to work with me. And one thing I, I share in the book is that when you're, I guess, successful in, say, your career, in an area of your life, and you're used to being in control, when it comes to love, like, you're not. Because it's not just, I mean, it's, it's hard enough to try and be in control when it's just you. But when you bring another person to the mix, you don't know what's going to happen. Even if, like myself in this moment in time and my fiancé, Joe have a wonderful relationship for the most part. One day, one of us is going to die. Yep. And I know that sounds really morbid. One day we're going to have to, we don't know when, we don't know how. And when I think of that, like it, the terror that can come up for me. And I even Mm. remember when I, when we first were getting together on the one hand, like I felt so, yes, this is right. And there was so much magic and synchronicity on the other I watched myself trying to sabotage and trying to find a reason to get out and leave. And there was so much resistance and like Mm -hmm. the stories and the shit that I would make up to to give myself an excuse to leave because I did feel safe and I was not Mm. used to it. Mm. And I just wonder if that's anything that you see maybe with your clients Mm. or you've experienced in your own life. Well, I mean, most spiritual teachers will say, if you really want to evolve, then get married. <laughs> because there, there are only so many places that... <laughs> there, are, uh, there are only so many places that we can reach within ourselves when we're doing the work on our own. Eventually if you want to go even deeper, then, mm. then you need someone to mirror you. Uh, you need someone to mirror you and it, and, and it needs yeah. to involve intimacy in your heart. You know, it always comes back to the heart. Love is our essential nature. It is, we were born love. 
and the 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 moment that stories and survival and all the protection mechanisms and and all the illusion begins is because usually that it begins with the original heartbreak so love is is a catalyst for enormous growth um, and evolution. And actually Eckhart Tolle will say, you know, marriage has nothing to do with making each other happy or romance. Marriage is everything to do with spiritual transformation, spiritual awakening. And if you really are willing to go that deep into a relationship from that context, then every single trigger, every single fear, every single thing that makes you want to run away from love, everything that makes you want to sabotage, all of that is useful. It's all useful because it will always, it'll all show you what is getting in the way of your ability to truly love. Um, and that's why you're, you can be such a gift to each other, but it does require both of you to be, to be willing to go to some pretty vulnerable and, and uncomfortable places. So yeah, that's, and, and I can tell you having come out the other side of a, a real shit storm, it is true. <laughs> it really is true that there are places that I, that, that my husband and I, because of our relationship, because of how much we triggered each other, I was able to heal at the root. And so was he, and I couldn't have got there without him. It's so interesting you share that because firstly, it made me think of my parents who went through a very harrowing drug addiction together and came out the other side of it and they've been in rehab separately. I mean, they've done it all. And so I've that, I guess, has been a template for me um, of relationships in a way of be, being able to get through some horrific things. And, mm -hmm. and the key being what you said, it's like you both have to want to because I have, uh, you know, myself in the past, but also had many clients where, you know, they, they come to me because they want me to help them keep or fix their relationship. And I'm like, that's not what I do. I'm sorry to tell you yeah. that because it might not yeah. be where you'll, you know, this might not be what it's supposed to be for your next yeah. chapter. Um, but also it, it, what you shared made me think of the fact that I was supposed to get, me and Joe was supposed to get married last year in 2020, but then COVID and then this year mm -hmm. and then COVID. And so now it's next year and it looks like that. Well, <laughs> anything's possible, but it looks like it, it might happen because weddings are happening. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, uh, initially I felt like robbed, like, oh, you know, my special day and we were supposed to get married. What's happened instead is that we ended up buying our first home together and moving out to the countryside, which has been a big surrender for me and really hard and wonderful, hmm. getting a dog hmm. and that starting mm -hmm. to dip my toe into looking at motherhood, which is a fucking terrifying prospect <laughs> for me. Um, yeah. and, and what I'm feeling is that I wasn't ready to get, neither, we weren't ready to get married a couple of years ago. I think I, I need to be working with you before that, Nikki, to be honest. But I, you know, it's this comes to the, the, the surrendering of the timeline and and how yeah. things happen and when things happen, which is something I have always struggled with so much yeah. because, it, you know, I live in the control and need things to happen on my in my way, which kind of brings us nicely back to the sort of warrior woman work addiction thing that I've you know, mm -hmm. been really going into this year. And I was sharing with you before we started recording, I got COVID. I went to, this is it, I went to Wilderness at the festival at the beginning of August, which is, it was mine and Joe's six year anniversary because we met there and it was his birthday. Came back, got COVID, 
Couldn't do a fucking thing. Could not do a thing. Joe, funny enough, the day I came down with it badly, he got sent home from work. And he said, oh, a girl at work's got COVID, so I have to work from here, which was beautiful because he he just, I just had to be looked after. Like, yep. that's what the universe sort of gave me, the gift of Joe just, you know, just looking after me. And some miracle, he didn't get it. Like, I don't know how. And COVID wow. was, I have to say, one of the most transformational things that's happened to me this year. <laughs> really wow. one of the most powerful things I learned so much when I've I'm slowly coming out of it three weeks on I don't have a desire to go back to the work addiction in the same way I just mm. don't you know I've been looking at it um this year but something has shifted in me because I I didn't have a choice but to just be with myself and mm-hmm. and a fair bit of Netflix as well <laughs> and um what what in terms of the idea of surrendering what do you think that this the world is bloody bonkers more than ever at the moment Mm -hmm. what is the gift and part to play that surrender has in it all well I mean I there's so many answers to that question um on, on in so many levels um but I think essentially you know most of the time we're being led by that control that you're speaking about um trying to control and micromanage and 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 be led by all the things that we know um, but the problem is is that everything that we know is is in the mind and everything that we know is from the past otherwise uh, otherwise you know how did we know it and and that really is essentially led by control and and the problem is is that as long as we're being led by that place we will just keep repeating the past now i know that sounds like a really um strange thing to say but if you're only letting what you know lead your life um then you will just keep repeating the past, which is where you learn what you know. Meaning, you know, I, I have clients say to me, um, oh, I realized that I've created the life that my father wanted, or I, cre- I became the person that my mother wanted, or the narrative inside my own mind is not even mine, it's my dad's, and but will generate an entire life based on, on something that isn't even true to us. Um, and so, you know, where we are in the world right now is on, on many le- levels, a lot of what we have known and been so certain about um, when it comes to systems and it, when it comes to um, the ways of being in the world. And then, of course, that becomes individual, um, who, how people have known themselves in their lives. It's all been challenged. It's all been put up for question. You know, when the pandemic hit, Literally, I mean, I was in London still at the time, and I know you must have been there too. You know, literally everything stopped, like the whole the whole city shut down uh, in one day, and all of a sudden, you know, sixty million people, <laughs> um, their whole lives that as they knew it, the routines that they had, the things that they did, the things that defined themselves in their life stopped. And so suddenly where the control that we have been using to fill our life and call our life was, was challenged and put into question. Um, and so, you know, 
surrender is is not the opposite to control, but it's it's re- it's the release of it. It's the releasing of the attachment to it, allowing something unknown to come through, allowing ourselves to go into an inquiry. Is this really who I thought? Is this really my life? Is this is re- is this really the way it is? Is this really the way it needs to be? Um, is what I is what I was so certain about, is that really true? Or or can I inquire into this even deeper? Maybe there's something else there that I haven't been able to see before. Um, and then there's another answer to that question, is that, you know, the nature of the human mind, the design function of the human mind is to help us survive. That is literally its function. And so, the mind will will mechanically continuously look for ways that there are there could possibly be points of threat and 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 then in finding possible points of threat usually led by our experiences of the past we then go into all these survival strategies and all the million billion ways that we use to protect ourselves and and present ourselves to the world and so when something's come along like COVID that is literally a possible threat to your life, it, it, it will activate so much survival, which is why there's such a shit sto- show going on in the world. Everybody's um, clinging onto their views, opinions, they're kind of fighting, they're getting reactive, they're getting triggered, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of anger, there's battling going on. Um, and it's everything that comes with with survival. And so in that, the deeper um, invitation is how much how much can you actually let go rather than fight more? How much can you surrender more and be in the unknown rather than battle? Um, and, and it, it, it would require us to be more with our, our fear, um, to be more with our own anger, to be more with our own experiences, to be more self-responsible with what is moving through us, which of course is the harder path. But in that, that also allows us to to start coming out of these survival modes and these survival strategies. I mean, it is a shit show right now, but more people now than ever before are having points of awakening. Um, You know, all the wisdom teachers, all the spiritual teachers, all the shamans, that that we're speaking about this time that was going to happen on the planet where humanity was going to be given an opportunity to change that time is now and and with that comes challenge it it is literally challenging the way people have known themselves and have related to their life and and with the challenge has come amazing opportunity so yes, there is a lot of challenge right now, but I've never seen more people um, having the hugest shifts. I mean, in, in the clients that I've been working with just in the last 18 months alone, it has been the biggest transformational shifts that I've seen in all the 12 years that I've been doing this work. So there's also something remarkable happening. Um, and, and I promise you, it 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 comes from your ability to let go rather than cling on more. 
it'll come in your ability to surrender rather than fight harder. Um, That's where you'll meet something really new. um, And that's where the healing happens. Oh God, I just got shivers. I mean, that... (laughs) I don't want to wrap this up, but we're already nearly 50 minutes in. And <laughs> that just last sentence you said there is that it, it comes from letting go, not fighting harder. That is so true in your love life as well. I mean, just yeah. so true. So true. So as we're coming into the home straight, I've got a few questions that I ask every guest at the end. So Nikki, what love life advice would you give to your 15-year-old self? Oh, Treat yourself the way you want others to treat you. Love yourself the way you want others to love you first. Mm, beautiful. What's one thing you don't want people to know about you? Ooh. I I can be really messy. <laughs> My husband will be delighted. I love that you like, don't want people to know that. Yeah. Is he really tidy? <laughs> My husband is so tidy. When we moved in together, he he showed up in our new house with all these boxes with like labels on them and everything was labeled and I just turned up with like bin bags with like my fairy wings hanging out and my glitter hanging out. <laughs> We're like the opposite. <laughs> That's so funny because me and Joe are the opposite. And actually, I, I've got a chapter in my book called Messy Joe. And it was a that was that was a huge thing. Like the traumatic response I had when we first moved in together to his mess. Like, I mean, that's a whole other book in itself. <laughs> it really is. Okay, so where can people find out about your work, my love? So you can go to my website, www.nikkiclinch.com. And on there are all the programs that I lead and the workshops I lead. Um, and you can work with me one-to-one. You can also get the book. Um, and you can buy the book anywhere that sells books all over the world. Um, or you can also get it off my website as well. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram, Nikki underscore clinch. Uh, and I tend to share there pretty regularly. Um, so yeah, I hope to hear from you. Final question. What is the number one piece of advice you would give to the single women listening to this episode right now who haven't met their person yet, their romantic partner, and are worried that they never will? Trust the process, trust life and learn to love yourself like you long to be loved first. And then when he comes along or she comes along, it'll be a bonus. Mm, Cherry on top, cherry on top. That's what I always say. Love that. Thank you so much, Nikki. You have been the most incredible guest. I've loved this conversation with you. Um, Thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. I really do hope these episodes help you find dates that become mates and flings that become things with men who are ready, willing, and able to actually commit. Please be sure to like, share, subscribe, and leave me a review if you're getting value from these episodes. This helps the podcast rank higher so it can reach other people who want or need the support. To have your question answered, send it over to podcast at persialawson.com and we'll get to it ASAP. See you next week, gorgeous. I release a new episode every Tuesday. But until then, remember, love is coming for you. So surrender to the festival that is life on planet Earth and trust that what misses you was not meant for you and what's meant for you will not miss you, including your soulmate. <laughs>